1: Hi, my name is Nathan Hobson, and I'm a host for the New Books in Japanese Studies podcast, a member of the New Books Network. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Garrett Washington about his book, Church Space and the Capital in Pre-War Japan. Uh, The book is out from the University of Hawaii Press in 2022. Church Space brings a fresh perspective to the question of the outsized influence of Protestant Christianity in modernizing Japan and why this influence began from almost the moment that the centuries-long ban was lifted on Christianity in the 1870s. Washington roots his research in the physical space of Protestant houses of worship in Tokyo, exploring the ways that the churches became distinctively Japanese spaces and institutions, which nurtured, nurtured discourses and practices affecting the social, intellectual, and political development of Japan during the four decades, roughly 1880 to 1920. Uh, which are the focus of the book. Church space begins with the creation of churches in the treaty ports and their migration into the centers of the new imperial capital, and examines the ways in which Western-style buildings, commissioned by Japanese pastors and built by Japanese architects and builders, came to house congregations with many elite, influential members who together wrestled with the role of Protestant Christianity in the development of modern Japan. And Washington shows critically that both pastoral and lay discourses, especially in these spaces of women's and youth groups, were linked robustly to the public lives and actions of the congregants and the ways in which urban Japanese Protestantism impacted the course of Japan for decades. Okay, uh, Dr. Washington, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Uh, so I wanted to uh, start off by asking you
0: how you became
1: interested in the research project that ultimately led to the book Church Space and the Capital in Pre-War Japan.
0: Yeah, uh, thank you so much for that question and for having me on the podcast, Nathan. Um, and you can call me Garrett. That's that's totally fine. Um, so it's kind of a long story. I'm going to try and keep it short, you know, for listeners. I, I, um, was a I I did I did like an exchange program at at, at um, Kyushu University about twenty years ago, um, and a friend of mine from my home university um, came to Japan to visit me, and also some his his uh his family friends. He himself was a um a Polish American um person, and so he had a friend who was a a monk in Nagasaki. He was at a Franciscan monastery um called Mukanzan no Osono um in Nagasaki, and so he took me basically to meet this person. Uh, was, and I met this 90-year-old Polish Catholic monk named uh, Serjusz Pensik. Uh He'd been in Japan for like 70 years. And I was just like, what is going on? You know, who, how is this person? And, and he had, you know, like he had like horn-rimmed glasses. He was just very, he spoke only Japanese and Polish. I was just, I was floored. So I, I was intrigued. And then um, on top of that, my... Um, I took a history class also at um as part of my my uh, my program of a uh, study abroad at Kyushu University, and the professor was also talking a, a good about a, a bit about you know the the history of Christianity in Kyushu because we were in Kyushu, and so we, we even went to to, to Nagasaki again, and we talked about you know the hidden Christians and all these things that are sort of you know small uh points only in in the bigger history that we're often taught uh of of early modern history in japan um and so i thought okay i'm going to focus on that for my study abroad thesis and then i came back to the us and i was still pretty interested so i I went ahead and did a a master's degree on uh the the jesuits um in japan um for um my master's degree And, and then i uh decided later on i wanted to keep my focus a bit on the idea of Christianity, but I wanted to look at the modern period. Um, and basically, I was curious how the story developed. I was curious where things went. Uh, I didn't go into this having a lot of background knowledge, so it was always new discoveries for me. And um, you know, I was doing my, my, my reading, I doing my, 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 my PhD. At, at, I, went to, I went to Purdue University, uh, and I was reading about various different things, but I was also trying to see where Christianity re-entered the story and i read a lot of these sort of well-known groundbreaking scholars like like frederick nothelfer and erwin Shiner's books and i uh john Howe's books um a hamish ion's books as well and i i was you know happy to see that there was again christianity was was again very visible um and you know i just couldn't really escape that no matter what i was reading if it was like a a, a history of, of politics or, or, or journalism or, or, you know, legal history, Christianity still seemed to sort of appear again um, at some level. It, it seemed to be very important. Um, and so, you know, the question was, well, how, you know, how did this happen? And I felt like they were, these scholars were, were really trying to answer these questions of how, and this has been going on for like about six or seven decades now, trying to understand, looking back, how this really small religion um, with never even like a full percent of, of the population of Japan, how it was able to have any influence at all. Um, and so what I sort of was able to glean from all these different pieces of scholarship was that there was a um, there were a lot of pieces to it, a lot of different uh, factors, but that they were, you know, there they, 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 they was sort of a question of, was it cultural imitation? Was it um, maybe cultural imperialism? Was it Uh, the charisma of these western teachers uh, and and spiritual leaders was it maybe people sort of experimenting and trying to find the the best fit for their modernizing you know cultural context Um, you know all these things and these are all accurate portrayals and 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 I think narratives but I what I also saw was that through all these different ways of trying to characterize the reappearance Christianity there there were a couple of institutions that were really visible, and, and one of those was was, was Christian schools, uh, missionary schools, or Christian led schools that seemed to have helped bring Christianity back from being this really illegal, you know, punishable, condemned, uh, vilified religion to being something that was you know acceptable um, and, and for the, the greater public, at least among the educated elite in Japan. And the other seemed to be, but less directly talked about, uh, churches. Um, and so I thought, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I see the same names of churches again and again appearing here, a handful of churches. Why don't I just dig in there and see what I can find, um, and that's how I got to this topic was sort of through that. And you know, always wondering though about the how. You know, how do how do we go from you know prohibition and 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 and, and illegality and uh, just so much negative connotation to being relevant? Uh, and visible in 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 public so much, you know, in the Meiji and Taisho periods.
1: Yeah, and I think it's interesting. I mean, you bring up the uh, the sort of obvious problem of the uh, quantitative, the number of Christians in Japan versus the qualitative. What effect did it have? What effect did the those people and the religion have on? Japan as it's modernizing right in the late 19th early 20th century Um, and so I think it's really interesting that you've uh, in this book then settled on uh, the space of the church very much the physical church and the communities that grew up around it Um, and this is you know to my mind the sort of new perspective that you're trying to bring uh, very specifically to the urban Protestant Christianity if I understand it correctly uh, from the 1890s to really around 1920 so roughly those sort of three decades. Um, And so I want to use that as a segue to get us into the book. And for the purposes of the interview, uh, I want to divide that book into roughly three sections. And it's not really exactly how the book is uh, arranged, but just when I was reading it, this is intuitively the way that I was dividing it up in my mind. Um, And so we kind of have space, voice, society uh, so that's chapters one and two uh space and spatiality of the church itself and the uh, the areas um in these urban uh, urban uh, uh centers uh and then three to five uh chapters three to five focus on voice you talk about both preachers on the one hand and lay people on the others um, and then you the last two chapters chapters six and seven um, are really inter Uh, interested mostly in that interface of Christianity with society. So I hope it's okay to sort of divide it up that way. Um, And start off with what I'm calling section one, even if even if you didn't. So not trying to put words in your mouth here. But um, so, yeah, so this you make this big overall argument, um, which I think is the focus of section one, that Protestant Christianity has this impact on society, uh, which is very much linked to and anchored in that physical space of the church itself. Right. Um, And you write Japanese Protestants, many of whom were, as you say, educated, uh, urban, influential people, quote, regularly and openly exchanged ideas on topics that were unarguably social and political. Um, And that they did so uh, and created these discourses uh, in and around the church space. uh, And that that was sort of strongly tied to and influential in then the society and politics of the time because of the people that they are, right? So there's this direct uh, uh, line from the space of the church where these discourses are being created through these influential people uh, out into society. Um, how did this particularly Japanese Protestant church space develop then? Um, and why is this so important? Uh, so, can, And also, I'd love it if you could tell us a little bit about this really interesting map collection that you have at the beginning here um, that accompanies these early chapters.
0: Sure, yeah. So lots of good questions um, about sort of this first section. And the way that you've divided it up, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, and also I, I think that the way that you also asked the question of, of of Japanese church space, I think is also important here. So I the, the, the book really tries to approach the questions of, of of space um going back to both like urban space or physical urban space as well as built space. And and they're obviously very much intertwined, but I wanted to understand them separately as well to see the what sort of uh were the, the the dynamics that, that were that were occurring in. Each of these two different areas. So the the urban space or the, the built space, sorry, the the, the urban space question. Uh, I was I wanted to demonstrate basically. I wanted to, to, to interrogate basically. How did church space develop spatially? Like like where did it begin and where did it move to? And 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 what was behind these moves? Um, and what I what I show in the book, um, or what I try to show at least in the book, is that there was really a, a shift. Um, in church space, from being located in treaty ports, uh, which were western spaces, which had a lot of special, uh, status um, and association elements to them, um, to more urban central locations that were located really in the heart of uh of urban places and urban urban areas, and I'm focusing on Edo on on Tokyo, um, but I'm but I'm also. Uh, thinking about this as it applies to other, um, you know, major metropolitan areas in Japan as well, but in but in Tokyo we see that the, 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 these church spaces that first developed were really they were really they belonged to missionaries and missionary uh, organizations um, as part of the sort of foreign treaty port area, and then we see that. Um, the there's um a move that is encouraged in fact by missionaries but that, that is carried out um, at the behest and, and and under under the guidance of these young uh, ambitious japanese pastors and, and converts to establish churches in uh tokyo proper they really have an idea of, of tokyo as an imperial capital uh this idea of of, of teito or, or, or or imperial capital that uh, has been discussed by a few different scholars uh um, in great detail. Um, and they they bring this idea with them and it, it justifies their move to where, to, 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 first of all, to the capital itself, but also where in the capital. So I'm also interested in where they move their churches to or where they found new churches in the capital. So they established their churches um, sort of on the edge uh, of Tokyo, nearest to the treaty ports, but then they move um, pretty quickly actually to the areas that they, that they see as most important for this new modernizing Japan. You know, the, the soon to be erected imperial uh diet, um the you know, the, the Imperial University, which stays um still located in in Hongo, or at least at the main campuses, um, to the area where um in, in the Bancho neighborhood where uh the residences are of all of these um, important powerful members of, of government. Uh, are located uh, their official residences uh, as well as sometimes just their their normal homes as well. Um, so they're they're really trying to to draw a certain audience, a certain membership to their churches and a certain kind of visibility amongst a certain population. And the, there's their choices about where to place these churches uh, and also where to replace these churches when they when they when they burn down or when they are in disrepair or when they need to expand. Uh, they're still guided by these same uh, priorities. Um, So that was sort of what that first chapter was trying to show, was this movement. And it really is, you know, it's mappable, right? Uh, And so in that first chapter, I used maps to really try and understand that movement. Um, You know, I was really lucky to have been been able to sort of begin using um, basic GIS to um, take maps uh, and to plot uh, the the points at the the different phases of movement of these uh, four major churches churches that, that I'm studying, that I'm focusing on uh and also i wanted to give i wanted to sort of then give that uh research method back to the reader, so they could see uh how i was you know that they could identify uh which church was uh, so they they could understand my process and they wouldn't just take my word for it, but they could actually see this this transition happening and they could also see the different look i mentioned all these 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 various locations i mentioned you know the uh the homo so-and-so or i mentioned the the, the the different educational, institu- in, 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 in educational institutions that are, in a different neighborhood. And I wanted to be able to show the reader, you know, just how far it was on the map and so they could see that. Um, and I think mostly, you know, it's successful in that. And um, of course, it makes the book um, bigger and, and, and more costly to make. But I think it was important for me to show that to the reader. Um, the, the second chapter very much tied to the first was about the question of build space. Um, and I guess what I also should mention going before I get into that second chapter is that there also was a clear separation between foreign and Japanese space right and and this goes back to you know the Edo period and the and the creation of Dejima and and they, and this really. Um, this strategy really applies again in, into the into the the, the modern era and, and well as well, in fact, and so the treaty port really was this separate space and so it's it's really interesting to see how the spaces are able to move from this peripheral foreign space into Japanese space. So a lot of the same themes apply to the second chapter as well. Um, I'm really interested in looking at how the church as a built space also changes. uh, The the first churches that are established in in Japan um, in the sort of late uh, Tokugawa period and then in the early Meiji period are entirely Christian uh, missionary built missionary, funded missionary sort of uh, commissioned buildings. Uh, And these missionaries are all from European or or American uh, uh, origins. Um, And I wanted to understand, okay, are we just going to be seeing churches that are going to be built in the capital or near the capital or in major urban areas? They're also going to be, 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 be missionary products uh, built for and by missionaries, or is, is there a different kind of space being built here? Um, when you looked, when I when I first came across images of churches, I didn't realize. I, I thought that oh, these are these are Western-looking churches, right? So maybe there's just a sort of transplant happening. Um, but the more I, I I tried to understand the the processes that work, the more I became able to see that these are in fact a, a hybrid space. So the, the the churches that are established in the capital, closer to all of these important locations and that are built and rebuilt there by, by Japanese pastors, they are on the one hand, you know, very much, uh, they, they look Western, they have this, uh, the, the aura of Westernness, the Western moral authority. Um, and this is part of what makes them special. It sort of um, carries over a lot of the associations and protective qualities that a church building would have had had it been in a treaty port. And, and and that's part of what I argue gives these churches a special status uh, as a building, uh, and protects them from uh, potential, you know, intrusion by the state, um, those kinds of things, or even attacks by by people who, who might be anti-Christian as they pass by. But they're also very much Japanese spaces, and I wanted to, and I wanted really to to, to show that my, my research really really did demonstrate that, um, and and why I argue that so. What makes the space also Japanese um, and, and so very much Japanese? Um, one of the elements I, I wanted to highlight is the, the 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 funding of churches. These churches are funded almost entirely by the church members themselves, who are um, almost entirely Japanese, if not all entirely Japanese. And so, I try and describe that process. Um, the church buildings are also um, they, when the money does not come from all only Japanese uh, funds it is funded through fundraising that is again Japanese led so we you know so we have uh, Japanese pastors who may even go to the United States to find funding but not from missionary organizations but from individuals who have who share their vision so missionary organizations would try actually throughout the Meiji period to contribute to these new this new generation of church buildings and they actually would be uh, again and again um, they would they would be turned down. Uh, there was a desire of the Japanese pastors to really have the church building be their church building, and that ties into my second point about the, the, these church sites, these church built spaces. It's that the Japanese church spaces were, you know, in, 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 the, in the same way that they were, they were placed and located very, very intentionally in certain places, based on these these these, these Japanese pastors' desires and visions for the church space. They also were commissioned and they were uh, envisioned by these pastors uh, as, you know, and, and so we see them being built uh, according to their own desires. You know, they, I, I try and take a lot of different quotes and, and to, to show a lot of evidence of how these, these pastors really uh, envisioned the church space to, to, to accomplish certain things, to look a certain way, both on the exterior, but also on the interior. And then I also look at who they chose to build their churches and the, 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 these churches are, um, they're they're very much uh designed and and built by Japanese architects and these architects are you know largely architects who are being trained by Westerners in, in you know at, at the the architecture Institute at, in at, at the University of Tokyo um or at that, at that time the Imperial University but they but they are uh very much Japanese uh, individuals right they're grappling with the same kinds of uh cultural pull between Japan and the West that the pastors are, and that process, I think, is actually very Japanese as well. So, so that these elements make the space Japanese in that sense, but also I'm interested in a lot of these sort of more, uh, these sort of theoretical propositions about what defines space, what gives space meaning, and I also want to demonstrate that the space, and this, this is what happens throughout the rest of the, of the book, is that these spaces are used by an entirely Japanese uh, members or, 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 memberships or, 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 or um, congregations that that, that 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 this use also gives Japanese meaning to the space. So all those things together make this uh, a hybrid space, but that is in uh, on the one hand very Western, but on the other hand, extremely and very sort of I think proudly uh, and intentionally Japanese. Yeah, and,
1: and I, I think this is you know at the risk of oversimplifying a little bit, what I what I got out of this uh, both reading it and then listening to you summarize is that you know you have sort of increasingly. Uh, Japanese spaces in increasingly Japanese spaces right that you're moving from the treaty ports which are these sort of very very uh West mostly Western sort of spaces um, and the churches are moving further into the sort of center of Japaneseness, right symbolically the 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 imperial capital um, and its important institutions and at the same time the church spaces themselves are, uh, increasingly Japanese, right, in the sense that they are uh, designed, built, inhabited, in that sense, by uh, Japanese uh, uh, clergy, uh, congregations, etc. Um, and this is a, a really sort of nice transition that you started to give us to. And those are then productive spaces. Uh, which is what you really get into uh, in section two, thinking about not the space, but the discourses that are produced in those spaces. So I want to move on to talk about that, which is chapters three and four. Um, Here you're looking uh, first at pastoral discourse, uh, where you're drawing out the tensions between these more sort of universalist or, um, I guess, progressive visions rooted in Protestant values, Um, and the more colloquial nationalism uh, that comes up in their sermons, pronouncements, etc. And I guess one of the big questions here is why pastors at this time felt freer to engage with controversial topics than their counterparts in other religions, uh, Buddhism being the most obvious of them. Um, And then at the same time, you also write, quote, uh, the nation and its destiny were at the heart of many Tokyo pastors' sermons. So then how did this sort of ecumenical mesh with the colloquial, uh, the universal and the national? So I wonder if you could help us to untangle that.
0: Yeah, definitely. So um in thinking about the the first part of your question about the pastors and their ability to and, and their impression of, of more freedom to to speak about um, you know, current events and these kind of these kinds of topics and their counterparts. Um, I didn't mention this, but one of my hopes was also to sort of try and contextualize Christianity, um, especially the the Protestant variety of Christianity, um, amongst other uh, religious alternatives in in the Meiji period. Um, There were Catholic, uh, Roman Catholic uh, missionaries and and many converts. There were Greek Orthodox converts, and of course, there were Buddhist and Shinto movements at, at the same time. Uh, and so part of my my job was to try and, and sort of uh, make sense of the what made the, the, the discourse and, and the discursive sort of uh, freedom or ability of of Christianity uh, in the church space um, different um so I think that I would focus on first of all the this sort of there was a, a very clear impression amongst the pastors that they were in a, a space that was um, condoned that was allowed to have these kinds of discussions. Um, They, they knew uh, Western educators, Western missionaries, and, and this is how they talked. They didn't shy with talking about things that were right important about gender um, issues about, you know, uh, the future of Japan. So that I think was in some ways uh, they carried over this, this feeling of entitlement from their encounters with Westerners, I, I think. Um, into this space, um, on so that's one area I think I would highlight. Um, another is that I think that beyond their ability, they're I'm, I'm not sure that they, they themselves commented on feeling freer to speak. They just did it, right? Um, and that I think also speaks to their passion for these topics, right? So they, I think that they the the people who become uh, Protestant pastors in the Meiji period, uh, these are. Uh, almost entirely from the samurai class. Almost entirely, uh, this is a this has been written you know, written by about by several scholars over the past several years, the past several decades. Um, they come from this place of having been disinherited or disentitled. Uh, of uh, many of them were actually on the losing side of of the, of the Meiji Restoration. So they're really trying to find their place in society, but they also come from a, a desire like a, a place of great pride and of uh, of ambition. So what we see is that they. Uh, believe that Christianity is the religion that's going to to make them, but also Japan, uh, a more modern, advanced, successful, powerful country. And and this um, sort of this drive, this um, this passion, this this uh, this de- de- sort of determination, right? I think really drives their 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 discourse. And so as they talk about these topics that. Um, that are somewhat common to other kinds of, of Protestant, Protestant discourse I would say um things like you know being proactive and and um you know being uh generous and sharing and, and not being selfish and and uh, about Brotherhood for example these thieves they they really um, feel I think uh able to but they definitely act upon this freedom uh, of, of trying to make their 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 listeners, their audiences, their congregations hear that these are topics that are relevant to Japan and its future um, and they sort of provide a blueprint. So they, they really, I think, felt that they were in a position of leadership. And this was what had, they had learned in their domain so as they were young samurai. This is what they learned um, when they went to many of them went to what uh, were educated and missionary or missionary-led institutions, where they were again told, "You are the future of Japan." So they really bring that that message. They take it to heart, and they bring that message with them into into the, the space of of the church and from the pulpit. They're trying to give these new, proactive, um, modern, very modern uh, visions of 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 of, of individualism, um, of 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 blueprints for how an individual in this new modernizing Japan should be. And, and why. So that I think is an important element to, to, to mention there. Uh, they are also trying to define a new Japanese essence. And so chapter three really is about uh, taking some of the elements of this Japanese-ness that, that they, they believe may be detrimental. So they do attack some of the trends that, that, or, or cultural elements that, that, that they see as holding the Japanese people back. Um, they're very critical of Buddhism, for example, as a passive religion, right? Um, these kinds of things. Um, but we we see the Japanese in this question even more strongly in Chapter Four, as they're trying to really take head on the question of what it means to be a Christian and to be Japanese, and they're they're really trying to argue that Christianity is in fact the right religion for Japan, and that it should be you know allowed to to, to exercise it, its itself in that way. Um, and they they pull examples of Christianity being used by other uh, important uh, figures uh, and important people in the history of Western nations. Um, they draw upon so that they're, they're they're trying to teach uh, their their listeners the role of Christianity and in making a strong nation. And one of the things that I that I enjoyed seeing also is that even when they sometimes might have different points of view about the, the national destiny. Uh, because we have more conservative and we have more liberal pastors who are part of, of the this cohort of, of church building, church founding, um, influential pastors. Um, mm-hmm. they, the reference point of the nation is still very much central to their arguments and their discussions. And I also um, I tried to demonstrate that, that this is also a way to see that the sort of Shinto secular that uh, has been talked about by some of my colleagues in the past few years, um, like you know, like Trent Maxey and um, Jason Joseph said, is very much part of their 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 way of thinking as well. Even though they're they're operating in a space that they define as is entirely Japanese Christian, Japanese Protestant Christian. Um, so they're fiercely nationalist, and the their love for Japan is you know very much a part of their discourse, and, and it's very much you know, they they don't shy away from from talking about. Um, the 1890s in Japan is, is a time where things could have gone very differently. There was a lot of, um, there was a publication of um, the um, imperial, imperial imperial Educational Rescript, which is a document that uh, re, re-emphasized the importance of sort of neo Confucian values and loyalty to the state. Uh, the author of that also wrote his own text afterwards, um, a whole book that condemned Christianity as a on Japanese religion, so, it, so they're, they're really responding to these criticisms um, by trying to really demonstrate Christianity's Japaneseness, um, and they they're able to you know draw connections between the the Japanese history and Japanese uh, sort of Japanese cultural identity and these themes that that um, they have found in the Bible and in other uh, sort of Christian stories um, that to, to make it more relevant to Japan. So you ask about how do they sort of you know m- how do they make these two um, areas, you know, work together, the, the fiercely nationalist nationalist perspective with the more um sort of uh, progressive and and universalist um ideas. Um, this is a challenge for them, I think, across the board. Um, there are some people I think that choose one church or over, over another because the pastor does a better or or more perhaps preferable, Job uh, in, in making and finding the balance between these two, but in, in a way, we're also talking about people who are working in a they, they they are doing this as well as any other person is doing this in the in the world of of you know uh, proselytization. How well did American pastors, you know, uh, for example, who uh, or American missionaries, how, how were they able to make these two you know uh, worked these two different uh, sort of tensions um, work? I guess that the sort of resolution seems to always come to or very often come to the, the acting, um, you know, on behalf of your fellow Japanese citizens um, is the way to make Japan better. And so they kind of put Christianity into a position of being the moral or in the sort of ideological pathway to go from being, um, you know, Japanese, to. To, to go from being uh, they, they they want to sort of displace, I think if the hierarchy system of Confucian thought, they want to they want to insert Christianity in in its place and argue that it's, it's an ideology as well as a belief system that will allow people to to behave a certain way, to act a certain way that will then allow them to in doing so support the nation, and that the nation will be better off afterwards. So by tying all these different ideas to the nation, that I think is more or less their solution to this this quandary that i think actually plagues religious leaders you know even throughout this period across the world
1: yeah um and, and that, that makes sense i mean there's you know that that sort of uh internationalist nationalism or nationalist internationalism right and seeing the kind of Uh, the local benefits of the universal and the universal benefits of doing the local, right. Um, You know, by bettering yourself and your community, you better the world and by bettering the world, you better yourself and your community. Right. So there's, I I think it's a productive Mm -hmm. tension as I think you're suggesting. Um, And so, so, so that's the, the, the clergy. Right. Um, But one of the things that I actually, I found uh, surprising uh, when I was reading the book is the attention that you pay to the lay discourse as well Um, in you know, opening up a a book that is you know, partially sort of a church history. Um, I found that it was all actually much more of, in that sense, a community history than I was expecting. And that's the thing that you uh, focus most on in chapter five. Um, and you sort of frame that as uh, you know, both a choice that obviously you're making, but one that reflects your uh, understanding that lay participation is a defining feature of Japanese Protestantism uh, in this three decade period from 1890-ish to 1920-ish. Um, and so so tell us about this lay discourse. Um, and, and in what ways was it uh, overlapping with or differing from uh, the uh, clergy discourses that we've been talking about. Um, and then also of course, how did uh, it get reflected in actual in, in actions,
0: in works in society? Yeah, so when I I, I came at, at these questions initially was I was I was seeing these lay um, th- these these Japanese individuals, had these ties, you know, that were mentioned in passing to Protestant Christianity. And I knew about some of their contributions to society before they'd been written about by a lot of different scholars. Um, And so I kind of, in a sense, worked backwards. And this was my chance to then go back and ask myself, um, what did the church experience for for them look like? And a big part of that was indeed the listening to sermons, you know, and so I focused a lot in chapters three and four on the Sermons that were given in the the Reihaido or the or the worship space or or the the Sankaidu. um and I wanted to draw. I wanted to sort of see if themes that that seemed to be appearing in other parts of this sort of Protestant network, social network, social movements, if they were appearing in in the in pastoral discourse, and in fact they were. Uh, and so what I was doing in chapter in chapter five was then um, trying to examine these major themes that were I think just well, I mean, I was trying to—I was trying to, to 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 ask what were they talking about at church amongst amongst these lay lay people, and I, you know, I, I came across, for example, this really interesting set of lectures by um, the uh, Imperial University professors, um, including the the, the, the the perhaps the most vocal anti-Christian critic uh, in Japan, um, the same person who also authored uh, the long anti-Christian, uh, work, uh, following the imperial educational rescript in, 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 1892 himself. Uh, he actually comes to give a talk as well as part of this sort of science lectures at, at one of these churches. Uh, and this happens in the 1890s. And so I, I, when I, when I came to that, I thought it really, I really need to understand better what's happening in amongst the lay people as they take the, the, the podium or the, the, the lectern, what are they talking about at church, right? And, and how is that part of this? And, um, and, you know, I just spent time going through um, the uh, church bulletins that I found in, you know, in a closet in one of these churches in, in Tokyo and looking at um, various other sources to get a sense of what the different topics were, that were being discussed were. Um, and having already done a lot of, sort of background work on the context, I think it was able to lift out a, a few themes that were relevant to pastoral discourse, but also to larger social movements and trends. Um, one of them was the woman question, right? Talking about the place of women in society, um, and the, you know what I was able to see was that women's groups and men's groups were both actively sort of hosting lectures about um, the, the so-called woman problem, uh, the fujin mondai in Japanese, uh, and this was not unique to the space. But what was it, what, what, what what was sort of interesting is that this was not there were not that many places to to, to, to discuss these things openly, right, um, and that. Um, I was able to see the 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 sort of real questions that were being asked by Christians about women's place in society. Um, and and sort of to get a sense of also the, sort of the the temperature, how progressive were their uh, ideas about these things. Um, you know, and what we really get to see is that there was a, a very strong uh, sort of progressive, not always entirely feminist, but at least, you know, pro-women's uh, women's, um, suffrage, um, pro-women's political involvement, uh, that was part of what was talked about at church. And I was able then to go back and see, well, in fact, the pastors themselves in their sermons also talk about women's rights. Um, Not necessarily as directly as calling for suffrage, although that happens occasionally, but in terms of the ideals that that they are trying to promote, they do mention women and they mention, for example, women and their role in the ministry of Jesus and these kinds of things. So there there are these threads that that do connect these two uh, parallel spaces, the lay and the clergy space. Um, I also was you know I've read I read a lot about also about the labor movement in Japan which also is very much tied in, in theory to Protestantism uh the names of Protestant you know men and women as well as those who have ties to to Protestantism are are, are pretty they've been pretty large in in this area as well and um so I went to I, I spent time looking for things about that and I found lots of uh lectures and 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 speeches and conversations about um about labor about um about socialism as well also an important topic that's discussed a lot uh, as well and again i was trying to also see okay in fact there are links between this as well as and some of the more um sort of global or international uh or cosmopolitan encouragements of, of the pastors in in chapters three and this some reason also in chapter four uh, as well. So I in a sense I was always trying to find these connections and see if they were there. And, and, and we find the same kinds of themes, but more concretely talked about in these spaces. So before we talk even about activism or, or actual work and action, there was this space for talking about these themes. Um and these, the sort of the, you know, they, they, they I enjoyed reading, for example, about um Church members who were announcing um, a labor dispute that was happening, or who were talking about the the uh, unjust the unjust treatment of miners um, in in, um, in Ashio, for example, a copper mine. So we so there are these moments like that that I was able really to to just dig into in this chapter, and I think will shed light on these topics, which are somewhat I think well known in history of Japan, but but not as a topic talked about in a church space, and not as a topic that. May have had, uh, whose you know, uh, the activism that around these that we know about more about today, having had links to the church space, um, and that I think is a good segue into like the, the last part of the uh, of your question, which was about sort of the 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 real uh, action, right? Part of this, the carrying of these um, the pastor presented ideals and and ideas and et cetera, and the lay discourse. What does that look like in in terms of actual work, right? And actual uh, taking action. So, chapter six um, is about church-based organizations or church-based groups. Um, and you know, there were there were three main groups. There were there were women's groups, men's groups, and there were also there were youth groups, which were mostly men's groups. And then we also see that there were parallel, although oftentimes a little bit less celebrated or less. Uh, supported. There were also women's groups, or, or I should say, young, young, young women's groups as well, that took that took shape in the church space. And so I would, you know, and so I wanted to talk about these different groups. There also were groups for elder, elder women as well, uh, you know, elderly women as well, and they had. They also were very much involved in certain things. Um, so I kind of spent time looking at what each of these groups was trying to do. Um, well, for example, I was able to link the the elder, 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 elder women's group. For example, to the fundraising uh, for um, church building or church rebuilding, uh, we, so I was able to see what they were doing in that sense. But looking at the youth groups and the women's and men's in particular, there there is this very uh, proactive uh, effort to organize social uh, involvement. So they were really looking very outwardly. They were really interested in uh, you know raising money for um, you know the the victims of of, of the um a great flood in um in the tohoku for example or or they were very much uh interested in addressing these kinds of issues they they talk about these issues and and they also try and and raise money they would deliver things but i also found that there was a bit of a divide and that the the men's the 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 young men's youth group uh, um in particular uh young men's youth group was very much uh, oftentimes sort of an intellectual group. It was more, it was a a sort of a cocoon of intellectual exchange uh, to really take, uh, to sponsor events, for example, like the one I mentioned uh, before in chapter five, uh, to have intellectuals come and give talks and speeches, um, and, and this also happens. And this also happens, uh, you know, for the women's groups as well, for the uh, young y- 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 women's groups as well. But but it's uh, the pushing power women's groups as well. But it, but the men's groups really focused, I think, very heavily on intellectual exchange, uh, and you know, they many of them were they were students at the at J- J- Japan's top universities, and they were sort of bringing the the, the debate and intellectual exchange. Uh, environment of those, those different institutions into the church space. Um, They created uh, journals, for example, the most famous, uh, Shinjin, for example, is a, is a, is an intellectual journal that is all, it's really all about, you know, Christianity, but also social issues very much. Um, And so we see that the discourse that was being Sort of talked about it and, and lectures that were being being given is reflected in the discussions that are, that are that are being in the articles that are being published in this journal. So that was a, a major focus of the of the of the of the young men's group um, at these churches. I would say for the most part, um, but there also is you know there are moments of them being socially engaged. Whereas the women's groups or the the, fujinka, the women's groups, they really were um, much more focused on directly engaging with society, actually making concrete. Uh, social change um and so while they do try and uh, you know organize um and, and to, to bring relief uh to victims of of the of disaster these kinds of things but they're they're really interested in trying to make more concrete change around for example the, the woman question so they would invite you know experts to come talk about the woman question and they would invite lay speakers to come talk about them uh in church as well but uh, but they also are very much interested in you know sort of more proactive um, you know uh, efforts. We see them. Um, you know, for example, when there's a the the Fujinkai, for example, is is at the heart of efforts to um, thinking back to, for example, the 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 um, disaster relief. They they are the ones who organized the disaster relief around their churches in the wake of the Great Kanto earthquake. Um, so they're they're very much involved in that sense. Um, but they also are you know very much interested in. Um, supporting what they see as, as important movements that will help lead to more so- social change. So we, so for example, they, you know the the women are not allowed to attend the imperial diet, and we see this being discussed. But also, uh, the women have their own publication, uh, oftentimes their own uh, journals uh, at church as well that discuss these issues. But we, we also see them them then sort of trying to support movements by uh, individuals who are trying to fight against these kinds of issues, whether it be concubinage or or whether it be uh, women's inability to you know, to uh, attend uh, the imperial diet, and then we also see that there are a lot of like public welfare and, and educational programs um, that are being carried out by women's groups. Um, one of the, the things that I I worked on since the, the or as I finished the book was uh, the ways in which women were also were also tied to efforts to um, to deal with, for example, the. During World War, during the the uh, the West Japanese War, we see the church space being used to 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 provide moral support for uh, families and for soldiers. Um, and the Fujin Kai or group were the ones who organized the 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 creation or the 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 assembly of these uh, comfort bags that were sent to soldiers. Um, we see them also sending you know money or sending uh, notes to you know the parents of uh soldiers. So so they're just very, very much focused on trying to act on their ideals from the church space, you know, to the, the exterior. Um and then chapter seven really is about the uh, trying to 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 highlight a number of individuals who I think just exemplify the the people taking action on their Christian ideals and on also interactions that were that were that were taking place at church. Um and so we have, you know, I one of the individuals I talk about, for example, was uh, um the founder uh of a perhaps the the, the leading periodical for uh, young women. Um, um, uh, let's see uh so that it's the, the housewife's friend. He um someone call him sort of you know the the king of of, of uh Sheet periodicals he talks about for example the the ties that his church experience and his encounters and his work um, in the youth groups both the the youth group and the the women's group uh, at his church and his in this case it was hongo church uh, how that helped to inspire him to 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 create this publication and um and i and i spend time on each of these individuals just trying to, to tie all these things together the church space encounters in the church space discourse in the church space to their actual social uh, political uh, or, or cultural actions um, and they're they stand as you know they stand as examples not as you know an entire uh an effort to cover every christian or every churchgoer um, i also wanted to, to highlight individuals who went to church but didn't become christians because they're also part of the group of people who still talk about church experiences even when they, they do not Eventually, sort of become uh, Christian or, or stay Christians, and they also are, are worth including here. And this helps also to explain why we see people, you know, the impact of Christianity beyond those who are actually Christians. People came to church and they listened to, to lectures and speeches, and they gave themselves speeches as well. They they were part of this this these networks, even when they were not themselves Christians. And so this also speaks to the larger sort of you know amplitude, the larger space, the larger um, you know, the larger population. Um, and of Christian impacted people, or of Protestantism Protestant, Protestant impacted people in Japan, um, and I try and talk about different kinds of people. So I talk about a, a, a nursing um, and a doctor. I think I talk also about talk about a, a, a business person as well, a businessman as well. I talk about different kinds of individuals just to give a different to show how these different factors or, or aspects of life are 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 tied to their church experience for these uh these various figures so that yeah. i think is in, in a nutshell the the, the how the, the society you know facing part of the church is addressed in the, in those last two chapters of the book
1: right and and you you've done a really nice job here of uh summarizing uh and also expanding on something that you say in the book uh about that which is um that the Uh, subject of the book urban protestant japanese christianity right with all those qualifiers but um, is really characterized uh, by the ways that it helped uh, women especially but also also some of these youth groups and again individuals to collect uh, to to connect uh, their faith and their ideals and the uh, the learning and discourses that they uh, uh, encountered and, and internalized in the church space with uh, the society uh, and the world of politics and whatever beyond that church space. Um, and so, yeah, so that, that's a, um, I thought, thought that was a sort of interesting uh, transition that we have there, right from the physical space of the church um, to the voice of the pastors to then okay what are people doing with that right and i think this this is really the to me the the structure of the book is how does the japanese church then have that influence right um so this is a really nice place to i think wrap wrap that discussion up um and i want to thank you for for doing that um and but before i let you go i do want to ask you uh what it is that you're up to these days uh now that uh you're you've got the book out um, and you're probably have some side projects and new things that you're working on. So can you tell us about some of that?
0: Sure. Yeah. So um, one of the people that I talk about in my book is a woman named Hiroka Asako. And she um, was um, one of Japan's wealthiest and most powerful women in the, in the late Meiji period. Uh, She is very much a gung-ho, uh, candid speaker at the women's um, group events the Fujinkai events uh, at some of these churches and she also was involved with the Japan YWCA and so we see her name appear in the book i also take uh, one of her speeches for example um in the chapter on lay discourse and use that to to sort of as as one of my uh, uh you know areas of analysis i talk about her 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 speech uh in in that context so i I, I came to 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 you know n- identify her as an interesting person in a historical subject uh during this other book writing process uh and so I decided to work on her again uh, this time more directly for my next project so I'm doing what I, what I'm calling is sort of a critical spatial biography of Hiroka Asako uh in sort of the the who is she? She is. Uh, she was born into the, the 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 very prominent Mitsui banking family. Um, but as a you know, as a woman, as a daughter of that family, she um, had to you know she had a lot of constraints placed upon her. Uh, both because because she was um, a woman, but, but I think that it's important to realize that a lot, a lot of merchant women in, in in you know early modern and late early modern Japan had a lot of influence and power because she was in the Mitsui family, um, the visibility, right, and prominence of that, that family led, I, I would say, sort of uh, imp- led them to impose especially strict gender norms uh, upon her. Um, but she was someone who didn't want to conform to those gender norms. She wanted to do learn the abacus. She wanted to be involved in the banking. She wanted to be assertive and and to have a role. She wanted to learn the Chinese. She wanted to read the Chinese classics. Uh, And so there sort of is a a narrative that exists. Um, You know, she would hide in in the closet while her brothers got their lessons um, or her cousins got their lessons from the Confucian tutor. And then she would take notes. And she basically was sort of very much self-taught uh she was even forbidden at age 13 from reading because she was doing too much of it um and so if you fast forward a bit you know she um marries uh into another another failing but very prominent merchant family uh her husband uh was not very interested in actually running his company and he essentially after several failures lets her take over and so she is this sort of shadow um director of the family company. The, the this is the Kajimaya uh, of the uh, Hiroka family. Um and you know she um is able to acquire um some mines in Kyushu she creates a a, a life insurance company and she also creates Kajima Bank uh, and through those becomes she becomes very wealthy and then she also is uh uses her influence uh, and money to be the primary benefactor of Japan, Japan Women's Women's University, uh, which is arguably the first real university for women in Japan. Um, so this, what I'm interested in is, you know, not just telling that story, but also trying to retell that story, because part of the issue is that this story is, um, has been largely forgotten. Uh, she was very famous, and, you know, missionaries were excited. She became a Christian when she was about 60, and so she became, her last decade of life, she was a Gang ho Christian, but before that, she was not and you know, she brought her business sense and her uh, her her candid, sometimes rude, uh, honesty to to the the you know the Christian uh, events uh, and, and those kinds of things. So she was very, I think, very famous and during her life. But if you ask anyone in Japan today, no one has any idea who she is. Um, and so I want my goal is to sort of try and explain why that happened, how she became invisible. Part of it has to do with the fact that she. Um, had to act uh, always in her husband's name until he died in 1904. And so trying to find actual cases of her doing things requires a bit more digging. Um, you know, the, the university that she helped to found, uh, Nihon uh, in Japan, Women's University is an example, uh, you know, that all of the gifts that she uh, made uh, before his death were, were in his name. Um, but if you go back and you look carefully, uh this and and this is being more more and more uh, made visible these days in the past like five or six years um you know we can see that she was the one going to knock on the doors of of these major barons and counts uh to ask them to sign sign the petition to start the university she was the primary person you know making the funds she was the one who also was able to convince her brother to donate the land that they had in measure to 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 um to locate the, the the school there. So she's very much someone who was visible, but then became invisible. Uh, and I'm interested in that. I'm also interested in showing how space, different kinds of space were involved in, in her journey. So right now I'm working on, you know, for example, the, the her role in the actual space of the mines. You know, she went to the mines, she went down into, into the mine pits. She, you know, she carried a pistol just in case, you know, she was very much a hands-on, uh, directly engaged manager, even though on paper she was not visible at all. Um, and also, um, so so space there, space in her different households, um, her her mobility, but also interested in trying to challenge the sort of hero her, heroine narrative that that is that is possible to have about someone like that, um, and, and to see if we can put her in context and, and talk about women's uh, women entrepreneurs or women in business in general in the Meiji and uh, in, in the Meiji period in a different way. So we can try and understand what they actually were able to do and to sort of de exceptionalize her case. Um, she actually was involved in a lot of important networks and a lot of men had to also support what she was doing for it to be able to work. And so I'm trying to tell a story that's much more nuanced uh, and less uh, sort of uh, sort of while still trying to give, you know, her props for being a pretty impressive uh, individual. So that's my yeah, that's, that's that's like of a project I'm working that, on. That's a
1: fine balance, right? Because it does sound like she's kind of a badass, uh, but it's very tempting totally. to write the hagiography. Yeah, sure. Well, that, that sounds like a fantastic project. And uh, I hope we will uh, be able to have you back uh, on the podcast with a whole book about that uh, sometime in the near future. Uh, but until then, um, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to us
0: and take care. Thank you, Nathan. And it's been a pleasure.